Hey, everybody, Elizabeth here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you know registration is currently open for our Spring Strong Foundations cohort. Strong Foundations is a five-week strength building program brought to you by me and Morgan Bungers. Coach Morgan Bungers is one of the best, most effective strength training coaches in this country. He has worked with some of the most elite athletes in the world, and now he specializes working with people in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s who want everyday strength. And this is not about being able to push your suitcase into the overhead compartment on an airplane. We need to be consistently and effectively strength training if we want to maintain the strength of our immune system. Muscle is a critical part of our immune system. And if we are not actively maintaining our strength, we are losing it as we age. And that means we are losing the strength of our immune system. It's also a significant component of our overall metabolism, especially our carbohydrate metabolism. Muscle mass plays a huge role in energy, in mood, mental health, bone health, so many different things. This is just not optional, but a lot of us don't do it because we aren't sure what to do. We aren't sure what not to do. We aren't sure if we're moving well. We don't know how to accommodate for our physical limitations or our current level of fitness, and that is why you need a coach and you'd be hard-pressed to find one better than Morgan Bungers. Now, here's the thing about fitness programs. I've experienced this. My mom, who's in her 70s, has experienced this, where you buy a fitness program and then you're like, okay, but I I can't do that workout because I'm not fit enough or I don't have enough balance or I don't have that equipment or that hurts my knees or it hurts my back. And then you're sort of just left to figure it out yourself, which means we often don't do anything. The great thing about Strong Foundations is that Morgan and I are part of it every single day and you have an unlimited ability to ask us questions in a group setting or via direct message so that Morgan can help you scale for you, for whatever equipment you have, for the time that you have, for your fitness level, for your body and your physical limitations. Five weeks, there's two different tiers. There's a beginner intermediate tier. There's an intermediate advanced tier. The testimonials that we have received from our previous clients will blow your mind. You can check them out and also register for your spot by going to primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. If you are an alum, if you have been through strong foundations before, I've already emailed you a renewal link with a special renewal rate. So please use that. If you don't see that email, let me know. For the rest of you, primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. We start on May 13th. So grab your spot now. You will have these workouts for life. Four workouts a week for five weeks, two different tiers. So you've got 40 workouts total. Plus, there is a five-part series on your pelvic floor. That is an incredibly important part of your physical fitness, of your strength, of your core strength, of your overall health, of your ability to maintain functional mobility as you get older. We want you to be a part of this. You will not regret joining the Strong Foundations cohort. It is an incredible community. 
everybody needs to be consistently and effectively strength training. And if you're not, it's probably because you don't know how to make it work for you. And it can be made to work for you. It needs to be made to work for you. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation to register now. Let's get into the episode. This is Primal Potential, and I am your host, Elizabeth Benton. Through education, motivation, and implementation, we will bridge the gap between knowing and doing so we can master fat loss naturally and help you reach your highest potential. Let's get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am Elizabeth Benton, and now that... Fat Loss Fast Track registration is closed. I want to have a little bit of fun with you today. The past few episodes have been deep and real with client stories and struggles, as well as that research-intensive episode on coconut oil. So I just feel like it's time that we just kind of relax a little bit, have a little bit more fun with today's episode. For those of you who don't know, I have a daily blog over on primalpotential.com where every day Monday through Friday I share my thoughts and also my daily meals and my daily workouts. And a couple weeks ago I posted an Ask Me Anything blog, otherwise known as AMA, Ask Me Anything, inviting readers to ask whatever's on their mind and I would do a podcast to answer all of the questions. So today, that's exactly what we are doing. I'm going to be answering those questions. Some of them are serious about things like sugar addiction and CrossFit. Others are more personal, like, do you have a boyfriend, Elizabeth? And just for the record, I saw that one coming a million miles away. I thought for sure that would be one of the questions, and I think it might have been the very first one. So I really consider you guys like family, and I know how important it is when it comes to our goals and living our best lives and stepping into our potential, I know how important it is to surround ourselves with people who are like-minded. And I talk regularly with my Fat Loss Fast Track clients and my Master's Club clients about how we are the average of the five people we spend the most time with. And so it's really important for me to build that relationship with you. And you guys are great about asking questions over email and reaching out when you need support or encouragement. And so I thought it would be kind of cool to let you into me a little bit more, a little bit more into my life, my thoughts. Some of the questions are about my own progress, my own fat loss journey. So we are going there. This is the first question. I'm going to read them out and then I'll give you my two cents. First question says, I would love to know what is your stance on sugar addiction? Can it be overcome? If one has been classified as a sugar addict or diagnosed as a binge eater and told to never have sugar or flour again, do you think it's possible to ever enjoy them moderately? Do you even believe in sugar addiction? So it's interesting that this question came in because I just did a podcast on the the sort of philosophy that if you are a quote unquote sugar addict, you can never go near those things again. 
That's not my personal opinion, but I also believe very, very strongly in doing what works for you. And there is no doubt that cold turkey just flat out works best for most people. Um, So in episode 354 of the podcast, I talk about this in a lot more detail. And I talk with one of my clients who went through a 12-step program known as Overeaters Anonymous. And that's basically what they teach. Like, you have no power over food. Uh, And so I go deep into my thoughts on that, as well as my clients' thoughts, having been through that, because I have not been a part of that organization. Um, So 354, episode 354, is a great place to start with that. But I do think that sugar has addictive properties, right? That is very, very real. Um, But that doesn't mean that it can't be overcome. Again, Doesn't mean you won't do best by cutting it out, but do I think you have to and that you have no power? Absolutely not. Do I think that anyone who has been, as this question says, diagnosed as a binge eater can ever enjoy food moderately? Of course. I never had a diagnosis of binge eating. I don't even know if, I mean, I know binge eating disorder is like a real diagnosis, but I don't know how often those kinds of things are handed out or even what the diagnostic criteria is for that. But if I had to guess, I would say several years ago, had somebody been looking for that in me, I would have been diagnosed as such. But I don't binge now. So I think a lot of it comes down to the practiced behaviors in our lives. Going back to sugar for a quick second, though. Sugar does function a lot like a drug. It even binds to some of the same cellular receptors that opiates bind to. But do I think that it is a life sentence? No, I don't think any addiction is. I believe in our fundamental ability to change. Now, everybody is going to go about that in a different way, and a lot of it has to do with your own determination and the work you put into it. Change in any way, at any level, to any degree, takes effort, right? Can some people do best without sugar in their lives? Yes. Do I think everyone is capable of moderation? Yes. But we all have different degrees of practice that would have to go in to create that, right? There's a crude example I use with some of my clients. I'm pretty sure I've said this on the podcast before. And I do it not to advocate life without sugar, but to prove a point. If somebody said to you, if you ever have processed sugar ever again, and you were really, really clear on what that meant, like there was no ambiguity. If somebody said, if you ever have processed sugar again, your children will die instantly or your spouse will die instantly, you would never do it again. There would never be a moment of like, well, maybe just one bite. Maybe nobody's looking. Maybe no one will know. That negotiation would instantly end because the stakes would be so high, right? And again, I'm not telling you that to argue that, you know, you you have the power to cut it out right now and therefore you should. I say it only to prove that you have a lot more power than you think. It's just that in our minds, the stakes aren't aren't that high, right? We think, oh, this one thing really won't hurt. But if we had actual real stakes on the line, then we would be capable of so much more than we think that we are. So I've talked about this a lot on the podcast, so I'm going to, I could go on and on and on, but I'm not going to um, because I have before. So we'll leave it at that. All right. The next question is, 
What are your thoughts on CrossFit as a workout for beginners? I used to do CrossFit before I had my baby, and now I'm so out of shape and overweight that I'm terrified to go back. Thoughts? So first things first, when fat loss is the goal, which I'm assuming it is here because uh, the question mentions being out out of shape and overweight, when the goal is fat loss, before we ever talk about workouts, it's important to understand that working out exercise is not the primary driver of fat loss. It's just not. Working out is great. It's excellent for mental health, for physical health, and I strongly recommend it. But I also strongly recommend doing first things first. If you're stressed out about adding workouts or using words as strong as terrified, and I would reserve those words for things like knife fights, not working out, but I digress, look at nutrition first. First things first, I do not recommend trying to clean up the way you eat and start working out and start trying to sleep more and, and, and all at the same time. It's not necessary. Plus, complexity is the enemy of execution. But back to CrossFit and do I think it's a good thing for beginners? I think any workout is great for beginners. It depends on what you love. But I say that because any workout can be scaled for a beginner. Any workout. CrossFit is not advanced. It's what you make it. Same with ballet. It's not beginner or advanced. It's what you make it. Same thing with swimming. You can make any CrossFit workout a beginner's workout. Or you can make it a very advanced workout. The same thing is true of SoulCycle and everything else. So I think CrossFit is fine for a beginner, But do what you love. If you hate barbells, don't join a CrossFit box. If you hate bikes, don't join SoulCycle. But the two main takeaways here are don't lose sight of the primary driver of fat loss, which is nutrition, and keep in mind that it benefits you most to do first things first. And the second is related to the fear component, the I'm terrified component. There's no need to be terrified of any workout at any time unless, like me on a bike, you're afraid you're going to drive inadvertently into traffic, right? The I'm scared because I'm out of shape isn't a reason to fear the workout or skip the workout, but rather a reason to get excited because it's easiest to make and see improvements when you feel like you're at the beginning. That's the best time because that's when you see the highest rate of returns. So that is exciting. All right. The next question is a lighter one. It says, if we lived in a fairyland with unicorns and rainbows and no food made our bodies feel sluggish or bad or wreaked havoc on our weight, sugar, cholesterol, what would you eat until you were tired of eating? Because we're in fairyland and we don't eat until we get sick. So if there were no consequences and I felt amazing no matter what and I looked amazing no matter what, my food would be ice cream. 100%. I'm sure that's no surprise to many of you. I love ice cream. That is my final answer. Next question. My hormone cycle, and I think this is uh, referring to like the menstrual cycle, affects my hunger and craving so much 
I feel powerless. I want to eat everything that comes my way all the time. My energy is low and I feel tired and down. Sugary food helps for the moment, but soon again, I dip. What can I do? I've been tracking this for months, trying to change my way of thinking on those days, but so far in the end, food wins. Okay, first and foremost, powerless is a mindset. It is a perspective. It is not a real thing. You have all the power. You're in control. Secondly, feeling low energy and tired and down, turning to sugar makes that worse. Third, if you are hungry more at a certain point in your cycle and you want to eat everything that comes your way, eat more. Eat more. Seriously. That's what I do. The three or four days before I start my period, I am more hungry. Therefore, I eat more. For me, I tend to eat more non-starchy vegetables and more protein, but you can pick one thing. Like, I'm going to have more non-starchy vegetables and see what happens. I'm going to double up on those or I'm going to increase my protein by 50%. Eat more. The great thing about tracking your cycle is you know when you're most hungry. So respond by eating more. Work with your body, not against it, right? The sugary food is not only not going to satisfy your hunger, but it's going to compound these problems you're talking about with low energy, tired, moodiness, etc. because sugar does that. This is like the same thing I talked about in the podcast the other day uh, with my client and I shared our voice notes back and forth. What episode was that? Let me look really quickly because I think that would be a helpful one. Um, let's see here. 355. 355 is the episode where I talk about something similar to this, where this is very much like standing in front of a bonfire, being upset that the fire is still raging, wanting the fire to go out, and then throwing fuel on it. Work with your body. If your hunger increases, eat more. This is one of the primary reasons that I don't like doing things like establishing a daily calorie goal or macro goal, because to imply that we should eat the same amount every day, I think, is crazy. Our appetite is rightfully influenced by how much time we spend outside, right? Because sunlight does things that suppress our appetite. And I talk about the, the biochemistry of that in a recent episode on, on sun exposure. Uh, sleep impacts things. Activity impacts things. And hormonal cycling impacts things, not just for women, also for men. So eat more of the right things and practice that. It is a discipline, which means it's something we have to really bring our attention to doing consistently with practice. Otherwise, you are standing there looking at the fire, being upset that it's still going as you douse it with gasoline. All right. The next question says, when you talk about an imperfect day, what does that look like? I really struggle with black and white thinking. It's hard for me when I get these questions because I'm like, when did I say an imperfect day? My first and constant thought ever since I've seen this question, when you talk about an imperfect day, what does that look like? Every day is imperfect. That's been my consistent and constant thought since I first saw this question. My reality is every day is imperfect, and I'm fine with that. I'm not striving for perfection. I don't know. I wouldn't know a perfect day if it hit me in the head because that's not my goal, right? I don't ever wake up intending to have a perfect day. This is going to be perfect. Perfection doesn't work for me primarily because of what this question alludes to. Perfection's too black and white. Because if the goal is perfection, everything short of perfection is off, is wrong. No thanks. 
Perfection also is not required. You can get healthy. You can reach all of your goals without perfection and be happier along the way. And you're probably going to have a really hard time reaching your goal if perfection is your standard because it's just not realistic for most of us. I strive, my goal every day is to have a day that makes me feel amazing. It's really that simple. Some days, that is enjoying a drink with someone I love. Some days, that's crushing my workout. Some days, it's an amazing fat loss friendly meal. Sometimes it's all of the above. Sometimes it's a cupcake and a nap, right? Not only do I look for choices that make me feel amazing, but I really value just being real, being authentic over perfection. I'm not here to make you think I eat perfectly. I don't. It's not even my goal. I'm not looking to live a life without sugar or alcohol. I'm also not criticizing you if you want to live your life without ever having sugar or alcohol. Kudos. I think that's cool. Do what works for you. What I am looking to do is incorporate those things, sugar and alcohol, for example, as well as fitness and clean eating, incorporate those things in ways that make me feel amazing. When I was at my heaviest, there was a lot of sugar, there was a lot of alcohol, and I did not feel anywhere close to amazing, right? So I want to incorporate all things in a way that makes me feel amazing. I can have a drink and feel amazing. Yesterday I had about a half a drink. And still, it was a great day. I don't feel bad about that. It wasn't an imperfect day. I mean, I guess it was, but it was perfect in that I wasn't striving for perfection. And so I got what I wanted. I had a day where my choices made me feel amazing. So there is no gold standard. I embrace every single day as a blank slate full of opportunities to make myself feel amazing. That's it. All right, the next question is, would you ever consider coming to the St. Louis area for a live event like Ascend? So Ascend, for those of you who don't know, was my first ever live weekend event last fall in Nashville, Tennessee. There's another one this fall in Cambridge, Massachusetts in early November. There is a wait list up on the site right now, primalpotential.com forward slash Ascend17. That's A-S-C-E-N-D-1-7. Um, would I consider St. Louis? Absolutely, I would. I'd consider the moon. It comes down to price and convenience. Some areas of the country are less expensive, uh, less expensive for like hotel room rental and food and beverage minimums. But then travel there might cost a little bit more. For other areas, it's the opposite. And it depends, too, on, you know, I sort of have a sense of interest before I book a location and where the interested parties are coming from and what's central to them. Um, so, yes, in short, I would consider St. Louis. I would also consider the moon if it made sense. And for those of you that are like, live events, just go to primalpotential.com forward slash ascend17. I will be putting out a lot more information on that within the coming weeks because that will be here before we know it in November. Cambridge is just a mile or two outside of Boston. Okay, the next question is about my own personal journey. So this says, I was just curious where you stand in your own fat loss journey. You commented that your arms are getting more toned, and I love that for myself as well. Actually seeing the muscles in your upper arms when you're looking in the mirror. And of course, you have fitness goals like being more fit, running faster, improving technique. I get the roots and the fruits concept. Don't get me wrong. Just wondering if you have st still have more weight to lose, or in other, w in other words, what are your specific goals for your body? Generally speaking... My goal is to make myself feel amazing every day, which I know everybody's like, but do you want to lose 10 pounds or 20 pounds or 30 pounds? 
I don't even know what I weigh right now. I don't own a scale and I don't really need to. Um, yes, I would still like to lose more body fat. This is something I talked about in detail towards earlier this year when I talked about my year of push and why I moved and changed gyms, etc. Because for a while there, I was in a period of patience, which at the time was super, super frustrating. I separated from my now ex-husband. Um, I was living in an area where I really didn't have any connections with people. Um, then I moved up the East Coast to an area where I hadn't been in 15, 16, 17 years. Then after all of that and some some other personal dramas, I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's thyroiditis and just physically my body wouldn't lose weight. At the time, it felt like not a failure, but a real serious problem. The benefit of hindsight, though, now that I've sort of gotten through that part, I look back and I'm like, no, actually, that was a massive accomplishment to go through separation, divorce, moving, personal challenges beyond that, professional challenges beyond that, Hashimoto's thyroiditis, as well as undiagnosed inflammatory conditions, and not pile the weight back on. Like, in hindsight, I'm like, that was progress. That was success. That gave me a degree of confidence in myself and in the stability of these changes that I've made, the permanence of these changes that I've made, that was so important to me. It gave me a belief in myself and a pride in myself. I, why am I getting emotional right now? Um, it didn't feel like success at the time. It didn't feel as extreme as failure, but it felt like a problem. And now I see that as a big success. But at the end of February, uh, I went is when I moved and I was like, all right, guys, that's when I announced my year of push and like I'm ready to put that period of patience behind me. And I and I shared then that my primary goal was getting as fit and as healthy and as strong as I could. And that includes fat loss. So, yes, um, specific goals for my body. You know, I, I've changed the way that I look at my body. There was a time when I would say specific goals is I'd like to lose a few inches around my thighs and a couple inches around my hips and an inch or two around my arms. Um, but I don't see it that way right now. I know how I want to feel when I wake up in the morning. And there are some specifics of like aesthetics that go along with that. So do I have body fat I want to lose? Yes. Can I quantify what that means in a goal? No, but I know how it feels. And that is what I work towards when I'm making choices throughout the day, food choices or workout choices. I'm like, is this going to get me what that feeling is that I want, which is both mindset and also aesthetic, my physical form. And I'll tell you that since I moved, I absolutely know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I am making progress towards those more physical goals as well as the mental goals. I am so much uh, stronger and faster in my workouts and that is reflected in my body. But I also I also don't have like a pace or a timeline. Um, you know, if I didn't indulge every few weeks, you know, with with a couple of drinks or a cupcake or whatever, could I make faster physical progress? Yeah, probably. But is that what I'm looking for? No, because to me, it's not it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. Um, so I don't know how many pounds I want to lose, but I do know my body is responding very well to what I've been doing. Um, and I would say that 
that has a lot to do with the consistency of my nutrition and using things like Paleo Power Meals, that meal delivery service that I talk about. I'll link to that in the show notes. Uh, It just makes food choices a whole lot easier. The workout intensity has been great. Um, So I'm just going to keep doing what I've been doing. This other question is kind of related to that. It says, sorry if you've already addressed this, which may be the case, uh, but do you find it harder to lose fat now that you are smaller? If so, what specific strategies do you implement now that you didn't necessarily have to do in your earlier stages? So it's harder in some ways. And here's, here's the primary way that I can describe that to you. Your body responds to what represents an improvement for you. When I was at my heaviest, I could indulge fairly often. I didn't, but I could have. And that would have been a huge improvement, right? So like going from a huge meal at Chick-fil-A to a smaller meal at Chick-fil-A, I could lose weight. Now, if I was incorporating Chick-fil-A on the regular, I'd be gaining weight. So what represents an improvement for me has changed. And so there is a greater need for consistency than there was before. I think my situation is a little bit unique because I developed a thyroid issue, I think in large part due to the fact that I wasn't really sleeping. I was under a tremendous amount of personal stress with the changes in my life at the time. Um, And my body just, I wasn't working with my body. I wasn't sleeping enough. I wasn't resting enough. um, And the stress was just pretty tremendous. So I don't know how much of it Some of it is certainly due to the fact that I just eat cleaner now, and so you just don't have the same wiggle room when you're changing from a really, really atrocious way of eating to a better way of eating. You have a lot more margin, but when you pretty consistently eat clean and you still want to make progress, you don't have as much wiggle room, so that part's challenging. I think what's more challenging for me is the thyroiditis because I just have to pay a lot more attention to sleep and stress than I did before. But at the same time, what's easier now is I'm so clear on what makes me feel great and what doesn't, right? And it's not as hard to make those choices that are better for me, better for my body, better for my goals because I've practiced so damn much. And at the start, I wasn't very practiced. And so every little thing felt hard to turn down a bread basket at a restaurant felt like a really tough moment. And now it's just like, nah, that's not worth it. Like I know what it tastes like and I know how I'd feel afterwards and that's just not worth it to me. So that part is easier. As far as the specific strategies I implement now, I eat less than I did at the start. Um, Now, I don't eat the same amount every day, but I find that the more I am on point with exclusively whole foods. That means not sprinkling in the bars, not sprinkling in the the shakes or the, you know, healthy snacks that come in boxes and bags and whatnot. So less processed food, even if it's quote unquote healthy processed food. The more I'm actually eating real food all the time, the less of an appetite I have. But the more I sprinkle in any type of processed food, even if it's a bar or a shake or, you know, anything like that that you know you could buy at, say, Whole Foods. The more I stick with Whole Foods, the less hungry I am. So that has helped. Also, my fast really helped back in February or March. Actually, March, I did that five-day fast with my girlfriend Ella from On Air with Ella. And that really showed me that 
the pangs of hunger that I used to always respond to, like, oh, it's 1127 and I'm a little hungry. I should eat. Now I'm like, I'm a little hungry. I don't need to eat. I'll wait till that feels stronger. That has been very helpful. So I don't really snack now where I used to justify snacks so long as they were quote unquote clean or fat loss friendly. But nothing's fat loss friendly if your body doesn't really need fuel. And I'm just not as reactive to hunger as I was. Now, if I'm starving, right, like really hungry, I'm going to eat. But those initial pangs of hunger, I don't really respond to. So that has been very, very helpful. Um, And then using a meal delivery service. In fact, I was telling my sister the other day, we were hiking someplace. And she was like, I really want to try a meal delivery service, but it's just too expensive. And I said, I felt that way too. But honest to God, even though it feels like one big expense, when I look at what I would spend eating out or the vegetables that would go bad in the fridge or the little trips to the grocery here and there to just get one or two little different things, add that with what I would spend on groceries, I am sure, sure, sure that I am spending less now. So that's something that helps. All right. The last question is, <laughs> I did not intentionally save this one for last, but uh, it says, okay, I'll ask a question that I've been dying to know. Some of your podcasts have been having a tone that I can't quite explain, but a tone that alludes to EB has a new love interest in her life. Do you have a new boy in your life, Elizabeth? I knew the boyfriend question would come up. I was just sure of it. And it's certainly not something I'm trying to hide. Uh, most of you know that I am divorced. And that was a really tough change for me. It was a rocky road, to say the least. Um, And when I was married, if you guys go back to the beginning of the podcast or the beginning of the blog, I didn't share much about my relationship because he didn't sign on for that, my ex-husband, right? And when I look at a relationship, um, I don't see it as my story to tell. I see it as our story, right? And this podcast is my voice. And And so it's my perspective. And when I was married, I just didn't want to be telling his his story, his life from my perspective. That just didn't seem fair. Um, And I feel the same way about relationships now as well, especially one that's not a marriage relationship. Right. Because who the hell knows what's going to happen? That's just reality, I guess. Silly me, who knows what's going to happen with a marriage relationship as well. Ah, touche, Elizabeth, touche. Um, but I am dating now. I am dating one person. So yes, um, to this question, I have a boyfriend. Uh, and it's not something I'm trying to hide in any way. I'm happy about it. I'm excited about it. I'm sure on some of my Instagram stories when I post pictures, if I'm out to eat or whatever, you might have seen like his hand here or there. He thinks it's really funny when I pull out my phone if we are out. Um, But we haven't been dating for too long, and it's not something I'll probably talk specifically about much here, not because I'm trying to hide it, but because it's it's our story, not mine to tell. And I always like to walk that line between authenticity, but also staying in my own lane and not sharing somebody else's story, if that makes sense. And again, like it's just... It's a newer thing. So um, and it's not really relevant to what we're talking about here. But some things that are relevant to dating that I probably will talk about at some point. um, It's tough to find that place 
when you're dating and there's a lot of social things going on and you still have fat loss goals and how does that work and and being with somebody who eats very differently than you do and how does that work and that's been fun for me to kind of navigate and experience again in a different way when I was married um, my husband and I ex-husband and I ate very 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 differently and that was fine like it wasn't a thing and the same is true now and I think that that's just normal, right? I mean, we dress differently too. <laughs> That's not a problem. <laughs> I can still wear what I want to wear, even when he wears what he wants to wear. And the same is true with food. I can eat what I want to eat and he can eat what he wants to eat. Um, so yes, I am dating and yeah, that's that. So those were the questions that came in. I hope you enjoyed this different kind of episode. Hopefully you got something out of it. A couple quick announcements. Primal Potential's three-year anniversary is in a week, less than a week. And I've got a fun new feature for the podcast that I will be announcing. Details will be coming soon, as well as details on the second Primal Potential live weekend event uh, called Ascend that will be in Cambridge, Massachusetts, right along the Charles River, right outside of Boston, right by Harvard. And it's, uh, there's a wait list up right now. You can get on that wait list, primalpotential.com forward slash ascend17. That's A-S-C-E-N-D, one seven. Uh, and I'll be sharing more details first with the wait list and then with everybody else in the next few weeks. So hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I will chat with you soon. Make it a great day. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Primal Potential Podcast, where my goal is not to inform you, but to transform you. And if you would like to receive free motivation and strategy and recipes, workouts, meal ideas every week right to your inbox, just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. It's a great way to get the tools, the strategies, and the practical implementation assistance that you need to create your own transformation between podcast episodes. Just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. See you there. say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.